As much as indie creators decry the big podcasts and big media infiltrating our once much more open medium, there's no doubt at all that we can actually learn some lessons from those podcasts, from those networks, from those brands about how we can unlock more revenue for our own shows. Let's talk about revenue lessons from big podcasts. This is, of course, the Podcast Accelerator. I am your host, Mr. Mark Asquith. Hope you're doing all right today. And today I'm going to spend a little time talking about eight little pieces, little nuggets of information that you can think upon, that you can go out into the wild and start to research for yourself. And these are things that I've noticed that big podcasts do that help them to unlock revenue, that help them to unlock revenue. Now, a lot of people think to themselves, okay, I'm going to start my show. That's it. I'm done. Now I need to monetize. And they forget that to monetize, you need people. Yeah, you need an audience. You can't sell bread if your shop is in the middle of a field with nowhere to access it and no one knows you're there. There's a reason that Apple is on Fifth Avenue because of the footfall and the prestige. There's a reason that soccer and football teams have stadiums. There's a reason there are crowds at sports events because you can't sell anything without people to sell it to. And your podcast is no different. So we can't, we can't generate revenue without an audience. And we can't build an audience without really delivering a product that is good. Consistently good. Consistently what I expect as a listener. And thus, we can't expect to generate revenue without actually building a fandom. Okay? But without the basis, without the foundational pieces of the puzzle... We can't build that fandom because it's not like it was 10 years ago. If you think, you know, if I think back, probably, let's say to even 2011, 2012, 2013, I could, I could launch a podcast about pretty much anything. And there, wa- wasn't, there wasn't likely to be a podcast doing something like I was doing. Yeah, there was a lot of entrepreneurial shows and interview shows and all that kind of stuff. But there was no big audio drama like there is now. There were no huge production companies. There were some, but there weren't huge production companies like they are now. This was pre-pod pod boom, shall we call it that? The podcasting boom where everyone started throwing money at production companies and people like Amazon bought Wondery and Ringer and the Gimlet crew got bought by Spotify and so on and so forth. That was before all of this. So back then, you especially if you're in a tight niche and you get all the kind of entrepreneurs that, um, you know, oh, you've got a really tightly niche. And I get that, you know, that worked and works to a degree still. But if you niched in 10 years ago, you would probably find a semi-decent audience. But now things are different. Everyone's podcasting. Brands are podcasting. And as much as we might hate it, it might annoy us that, Big people with marketing budgets are taking our audience. I hear that so much. It's Of course that was going to happen. It's media. You know, if, if, if it's proven that, that, that an audience is likely to exist somewhere, then someone with some money is going to come in and buy that audience 
through advertising and marketing to them. Of course it is. So we, we can't really be annoyed by it. It's good for us because now my mum knows about podcasts and she listens to them. And people just like my mum that didn't really know what a podcast was, they now know about them. It, literally everyone that comes to my house to do any work, so say if I've got a build around or if I've got someone doing something like a new carpet or whatever, what do you do then, Mark? Oh, I work in podcasting, actually. Yeah, I run a, a platform called Captivate, which is part of Global. Yeah, listen to podcast me, mate. Oh, yeah, who do you listen to? Peter Crouch. Yeah, Peter Crouch, favourite show. And it could be Peter Crouch, it could be the news agency, it could be anything. You know, they've all got their, their own favourites. But three years ago, take this from me, even three years ago, those people were not saying that. Instead, the answer was, what do you do then, Mark? Oh, I work in podcasting. What's that? I've heard about it, but I uh, don't know what it is. Well, it's sort of like on-demand radio, mate. Well, like Netflix. Oh, yeah, not you as well. Yeah, Netflix of audio. <laughs> so it's different world, all right? And as much as we hate the big podcasts, as much as we might dis dislike these people that are seemingly taking our revenue, they're not. And we shouldn't hate them because they're helping other people to understand that we exist and that the medium exists. We should be thanking them for using their money to educate people that might end up listening to our show. Thank you. That's free marketing for us. Good. <laughs> but... Without a doubt, there are reasons that those people can open up revenue that we cannot. Because they are media. They do have budgets. And so they can't be bad. And I'm not talking about the subjective bad. You know, oh yeah, I don't like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was doing that 10 years ago. Yeah, what's, what's any different about these guys' show? Just because they're celebrities. Pff, pff, it's not fair. I'm not talking about that. All right? You can get as mad about that as you want. The problem is that it's the basics a lot of the time that they have to do well. Some of them, you know, I guess some of them, some of them get things a little off, but generally speaking, the things that I'm going to tell you about in a minute, the lessons that you can learn, you can, you can, you can look to any big podcast that's doing well and they will be doing the majority of these. All right. So let's talk about that before I do that. If you like this podcast, if you like this episode, if you like all of my previous episodes, if I have helped you in any way, you can buy me a beer at mark.live slash support. That's mark.live slash support. You will see that link in your show notes as well. And I will take all revenue greatly received with appreciation and spend it on beer. Now that I can assure you. So when it comes to generating predictable revenue from a podcast. Reliability in downloads is vital. Whether that podcast is monetized via programmatic ads, directly sold host red ads, selling merchandise, selling live taping tickets, listener support via tips like I just mentioned, or memberships, or a, you know, a diverse combination of all of these monetization options, there are certain elements that make a show really and reliably profitable. Because when a podcast is monetized well, it delivers, and this is important, sit and listen to the, what I'm about to say. When a podcast is monetized well, it delivers repeatable and reliable download numbers that can be projected and used as the basis for business decisions. Let me say that again, because it is important. When a podcast is monetized well, it delivers repeatable and reliable download numbers that can be projected and 
and used as the basis for business decisions. Brands and ad partners actively seek out these shows, shows that are going to solidly perform week in and week out, and they hedge their bets and their books on those repeatable download numbers. So what lessons can you learn as an indie creator from the big shows? How can you apply these lessons to your own podcast without spending any money? Well, number one, storytelling is key. Get good at storytelling and writing a story, thinking about a story. And if you struggle with this, a really quick fix, a really quick thing that you can go through is to use the teaching method. I'm a a qualified trainer, believe it or not. I spent a lot of my uh, younger freelance years doing a lot of training um, for for so many types of people from the Ministry of Defence to a lot of the banks and so on. I used to go in and teach people things. And the classic teaching method of getting your listener engaged, which is tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them the thing, and then tell them what you just told them. So you you state what you're going to say, you then say it, and then you say what you've just said. And an example of this is what I do with this podcast. If you remember right at the beginning, I opened with, what lessons can we learn from big podcasts and apply it to making our own podcast more profitable? You know, to paraphrase myself from earlier, I said, I'm going to teach you this. And guess what? Now, five minutes in, I'm teaching you this. And then at the end, I'm going to tell you what I've just taught you. Now, that's sure, that's not, Joseph Campbell's hero's journey, all right? This is not Star Wars. It's not old samurai movies. It's not the Godfather. It's not the traditional three-act break. But that's all right. Yeah, you can spend time learning that. Of course you can, and that'd be fantastic. However, today, I want you to be able to make a change. So use that teaching method. If you think like that, you will get your audience engaged early. You will keep them engaged and you will then reinforce what they have just heard. It's powerful. And a lot of people don't do it. They just dive into their waffle at the beginning. They have a bit of banter, a bit of a laugh. That's cool, but it's not going to help you to grow. All right. So number one, storytelling is key. This is what a lot of big podcasts do very, very well. And when I say about big podcasts, I mean some of the audio dramas, some of the things like Jordan Harbinger's interview shows, some of these people that are doing really deep work. All right. Number two, Breaking up your story and working around tangible chapters works. Now, let me explain this. A lot of people, especially a lot of indie podcasters that I see, what they'll do is they will understand what they want to say. They will understand the, 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 the focus of their episode. But what they will do is they will just zip through it at such a pace that the listener doesn't really know what to think or where to think or even have a breath to be able to think at all, because they just zip through this content. So instead, how can you break up your storytelling? How can you break up your deliverables? I'm doing this now, because this is number two of eight. You'll remember these bullet points much easier than if I just went, yeah, do more story, break up your story. And if it felt more just like a conversation or just me doing a monologue, it would it would be more difficult for you to realize that there are points to this. Now, the good thing with this as well is that I'm on number two now, breaking up your story and working around tangible chapters works. But if you, if you have to run off, if you think, oh, actually I've got to nip out, Mark, or oh, you know, I've just turned up at my destination because I'm driving. Right. I'm up to number two. This is a really good place to stop. And I can come back to this later. 
So it, it works on so many levels. It stops the overwhelm. And it doesn't take much to do this. It stops the overwhelm. It makes your episode feel more thoroughly planned. So consider that. Break up your story and work around tangible chapters. Number three, a lesson you can learn from big podcasts is deliver, and this is, this is very important, right? Delivering what your audience turns up for is important. Delivering what your audience turns up for is important, all right? If I come to your podcast because it's going to help me with a certain thing or because it's entertaining in a certain way or because you've got certain segments and you start tinkering with that for no apparent reason, it puts people off. If I turn up for Business Wars by Wondery, I want Business Wars by Wondery. If I turn up for the news agents from Global, I want the news agents from Global. Can they change things? Yes, but it should be done slowly. It should be done incrementally. Quirky change only works when your show is known for being a show that features quirky changes. <laughs> Listeners come to your show for your show. So the, the, the thing that I see with independent podcasters where this is, is, is often done very wrong is that, you know, they buy a course from a crappy guru and the person says, oh, you should be doing this in your podcast. And they suddenly start doing everything the opposite way. Or they start introducing things that they've never done before. And the listener's like, well, I came for the other stuff. And now this is the stuff that I really like is only 15 minutes long. And there's 15 minutes of this other crap. What's that all about? Listeners come to you for what you do. So unless you've got good listener feedback for a really good period of time, don't make any changes. It's more than likely that it's not that that's causing any growth plateaus. Number four, a lesson that you can learn from the big podcasters is bad auto-generated ad slots kill your content. I've heard this on a couple of big shows. Uh, Actually, not big shows, but shows that I would class as big enough to have decent sponsorship, but not classed as like big productions or highly successful shows. And they're usually done by um, like niche celebrities. So, you know, someone that like maybe a golf coach or something like that. Uh, And what happens is that they use a hosting platform that's (laughs) probably using AI, or they're probably saying they're using AI, to detect the best place to put an advert. And it's always crap. It is always crap. Always crap. It always gets it wrong. And it kills the momentum. It kills the storytelling. It kills the mood. And it ruins the episode. And it really stands out. If you want to put ad slots in your show, do it properly. Which is to say, oh, let's assume I'm going to put one in now. All right, let's just take a quick second and let me tell you about this. And then I insert the ad using Amy on Captivate, dynamic insertion, and then I come back and say, all right, now we're going to move on to talking about X. All right, And if you don't want to do that, if you can't do that, just leave gaps. Because what a lot of people do is when this is done very badly, they just keep talking. It's a big monologue or an interview. And then suddenly you'll just hear whoop, just halfway through a sentence or a paragraph or a phrasing and just an advert inserted. And it's, it's rubbish. So if you're going to do that, at least give the dodgy AI a little bit of a chance by leaving gaps. Because it's easier for the AI to spot that gap. And try and do that in between 
point. You know, we talked about um, working around tangible chapters or different um, inflection points in your in your audio. Give the system a chance by breaking after a point. So like now, I've been talking about uh, number four, bad auto-generated ad slots are going to kill the show. I can move on to number five, but just leave a gap. And that is where the ad would be inserted because it's the most obvious, it's the longest gap. And it would, if it's decent AI, if it's genuinely AI, it would also try and get the context of what I've been saying. Okay, that feels like the end of something. Oh, and it feels like the beginning of something is coming up. Okay, so okay, okay, yeah, yeah, that's where I should put the advert. All right? So remember that, bad bad, bad ad slots kill it, especially if they're auto, auto-generated. If you're going to do this, if you're going to do dynamic insertion, put your own slots in at the relevant timestamps. You can do that with Captivate, of course. The next thing that I, I want you to really learn from when it comes to the big shows is that production value is extremely important, including things like quality music to add gravitas to certain areas of your podcast, structural planning and the focus of each episode. They're all vital. You cannot wing it anymore, in my opinion. And this from a guy that 10 years ago, five years ago even, was able to very successfully wing this podcast. But now it's not good enough. I have to plan it. I want this to be the best content for you. And yeah, do I use music sometimes? Yeah, I do, but not all the time. That's cool. But I always plan it and I plan the structure. I plan the flow and I plan things. And people notice that. People have said that to me and they say, oh, Michael, I can tell that you you are focused much more on structural output now as opposed to kind of just delivering what, what you became known for, which is that real kind of honest, raw approach. And... You have to make sure that your production value across the board is good. You don't want any spikes in your music. You don't want the huge intros. You don't want oh, dodgy loudness, like your loudness of your overall episode has to be at the right luffs levels. You don't want to be the podcast that stands out for being too quiet or way too loud amongst every other podcast that's been listened to because it makes you look unprofessional and no one wants to work with unprofessional. That's just a fact. So you can't wing that production value is vital. There's a lot of shows out there that do this really well. The news agents, like I always mentioned, does this really well. Uh, I'm a big fan of Business Wars as well, which I think is a great show for how they put production together. I think Law by Aaron Mankey is another show. Go and listen to those. And what they'll do is they'll add a lot of production sounds, a lot of soundboard sounds, a lot of music, a lot of atmospheric effects. Now you might not need to do that and go to that, that degree with it. You know, if you're a, if you're not a drama show or if you're a show like mine, that's very much an educational sort of monologue ish show, but I could probably do better with this one. I could add, I could add musical areas. I could add segments in here that would make it easy for you to pick where you need to be. And I could, I could, I could emphasize certain points with a higher production value. Now, does this take a bit more time? Yes, it does. But is it worth it? Yeah, do you know what? Long term, it probably is. So think about that. How can you up your production value? And I urge you to go and listen to some of these shows that I mentioned. Business Wars, The News Agents, Law, and anything that Aaron does over at the Grim and Mile Network. Listen to how that's done. Okay? Number six. A lesson you can learn from big podcasts is, if you are a solo podcast, or if you're even an interviewer, outside of learning to be a good interviewer, because I think that's a completely separate topic, your own vocal performance really matters. 
Your own vocal performance really matters. You are the host, all right? And you are performing every single time, okay? When I'm recording this show, I am I'm expressing myself visually. If you could see the way I'm recording, my hands are moving and my head's moving, my body's moving. I express things so much more so that you get these big enunciations or these big dynamic changes in my voice when I want to emphasize something. And the point is that they don't sound that variable when you hear them back, but I'm performing these out. You've always got to give more than you think in order for it to sound like you're actually doing anything at all. It's like karaoke, I've said it before. If you give 150% on stage to the audience, you look like you're just having a nice good time and giving 100%. If you give 100%, what you believe to be 100%, you look like you're giving about 50% to the audience. It's, It's the way of performance. Big motions, big movements, big enunciations like a singer. And also get your mic technique right. You know, there's nothing worse than... There's nothing worse than hearing audio that sounds a little bit echoey or a little bit a bit off. There's nothing worse than that, you know, and hearing mic noises and, you know, and all this. That's good. This, it happens. You know, I do it. I move my mic around sometimes, you know, and you'll probably hear that, you know. Sometimes it does happen, but you've got to focus on your mic technique. All right, you've got to get good with this because this genuinely does separate the wheat from the chaff when it comes to to content almost immediately, okay? The next thing and the next lesson that you can learn from the big podcast is quality editing counts. I never used to edit this podcast. I never did. Again, I was one of those guys like, yeah, I just wing it and I just do it. And that was cool. It worked. It was all right back then, but now we've got to be better because everyone's better. I edit this podcast now. I go through it, edit out any big ums, any big ahs, any big, you know, oops, (laughs) I won't edit that one out. But the point is I go through and I tighten it up. And that's the thing, tight audio. And you might not think you need to do this, but I will tell you now, most podcasts do. Most podcasts do. Or let me rephrase it. Most podcasts would benefit from tighter editing. All right. It doesn't need to be much. It just needs to be enough that the obvious things are handled. All right. People are all right with the odd. Oops. I've touched my mic up. Oh, oh, okay. I'm, oh, oh, I touched my, you know, people are generally okay with that. Depending on the type of show, you wouldn't have that in an audio drama or a big budget production, of course, but in something that is, uh, you know, like a news show or something that is a conversational show or just you be monologue. That's cool. People are all right with that generally. All right. But tightening up the way that the content flows is always worth a look. So consider that one. And the last thing that you can learn from big podcasts to open up more revenue through better growth, through higher production qualities is this. Do not focus on trying to hit a specific episode length every time. Be confident enough to keep a tight story and people will come back for the next part if they need to. There is no too long. There is no too short, in my humble opinion. I listen to Hardcore History, which is three to four hours long. I also listen to Arnold's Pump Club, whatever that's called. It is called Pump Club, isn't it? You know what? I'm going to check. 
Arnold Pump Club, Arnold Schwarzenegger's podcast, it's like five minutes long every day. And I listen to everything in between. And if you watch, you know, if you watch something on Netflix or Disney Plus, like I'm obviously a big Star Wars guy, I've just kicked my bin. Am I going to edit that out? Probably not. There's a great example. (laughs) Just kicked my bin. I've never kicked my bin in my life. Nearly broke my toe. But the point I was getting to is, if you watch something on Netflix, if you watch, uh, like I'm a big Star Wars fan, as I mentioned, if I'm watching Rebels or if I'm watching The Clone Wars, if I'm watching Mandalorian or Andor or Obi-Wan Kenobi, the episode lengths aren't the same anymore because it's not like we're watching Coronation Street or Family Ties where it's okay, there's an hour, we've got these ad slots and it's going to, each ad slot's going to be three minutes, four minutes long. So this is how long each episode has to be. We just don't live in that world anymore. And yeah, it's nice to have a, okay, the Mandalorian's probably going to be about 40 minutes, but some of them are 60, some of them 30, usually between 37 and 45 minutes. But it doesn't matter if it's 37 or 45. It's not like I'm thinking to myself, can't believe that, ran over by two minutes. Not, no chance. Won't see me back next week. Like, when does that happen? Never. And likewise, you know, if if it's a little bit shorter, it's not like you think... Well, that was shorter than I expected this week. I'm not going to come back next week and carry on the story. People just don't think like that. And again, if you look at some of the big podcasts out there, they don't really care how long they are. Granted, they're not looking to be five hours long, and that's a logistical thing. But what they're doing is they're not worried about, okay, if 45 minutes, well, we did say an hour, just it's fine. If that's what the story needs, then that's cool. Or if you run for an hour 30, that's all right too. Okay, so... These are lessons that all of the big podcasts can teach us, the ones that are doing well, all right? To recap, storytelling is key. Use the teaching method if you're unsure of how to get started with better storytelling. Breaking up that story and working around tangible chapters works. Deliver what your audience turns up for. They come for your show, so don't get quirky and change things for the sake of it. Do not use auto-generated ad slots. They are terrible, generally. Keep your production value high. Quality music beds. Add some gravitas. Structural planning. Focus on your episode. You cannot wing it. Get your loudness right, all right? Your lust levels. If you're a soloer or an interviewer, get your vocal performance right. Mic technique. Enunciation. Dynamics. Tighten up your audio using good editing. Doesn't need to be much. Just enough to tighten things up. And last but not least, do not worry about hitting the dead same episode length every single time. No one really needs to worry about that at all. And remember, the key to a successful revenue strategy for your podcast is to be able to consistently deliver predictable download numbers. To do that, you've got to get tight on the things that matter to the listeners who now have so many podcasts from independents and from big studios to choose from. Let me know what you think. Are you going to implement any of these? Let me know on Twitter at Mr. Asquithin if you want to buy me a beer because you found this useful, mark.live slash support. Until the next time, much love. Stay safe, stay well. Keep doing what you do and I'll see you on the flip side. Adios for now.